Getting here early and serving for us to participate and so we are looking for some more help there as well in all of these areas. Uh, you know, I need your prayer this morning. Your boy is turning 40 tomorrow. And uh, you know, that's, uh, that's cool, but it, I, I don't know what happened, but I'm already feeling the midlife things, you know what I mean? And so I, uh, I, 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 I lost my glasses last night. Don't know where I put them. I think maybe somebody accidentally threw them away or something. I don't know what happened. The other day I, I was running. I'm starting to run. You know, I used to do some, some, some workouts, but I'm, I'm trying to add running to my, to my regiment there. And, and uh, now I, I didn't do anything. I didn't jump. I didn't trip. I didn't fall. But I have a foot problem right now, and it doesn't make any sense. My wrist has been hurting since December of last year, and I did nothing, I believe, to hurt it. And so I'm already breaking down. And so these are my backup glasses. The prescription is really not up to date. So I might say something, and it might be off. Amen. So just have some mercy for your boy here today. Amen. And so I am excited here about the word of God. And hopefully you are excited to worship God this morning. I hope you are encouraged to be together and to worship Jesus, the king of all kings. The Lord of all lords. Because I am excited here today about God's message. Hopefully you will be excited after the message as much as I am right now. If not, blame 40 years old for that, okay? And so we are going to continue in our sermon series, Empower. And we are studying out the book of Mark and seeing how Jesus empowered people who chose to follow him. And so we are going to continue in that study here today. Amen. What is that? No, these, these. Oh, who found these? The Lord answers prayers within three minutes. Hey, I can see you now. Who, Eddie, was that you? You stole my glasses last night. Wow, that's incredible. You don't understand, I was a little discouraged. I was like, man, I lost my glasses. I gotta go pay for some new glasses. You know what I'm saying? So anyhow, that, that's incredible. I was like, Karina, why are you giving me my broken glasses? But thank you that you did not do such a thing there. Amen. So last week we started, I thought Kyle did a phenomenal job there in leading us as we talk about being empowered and we're seeing how Jesus empowers those who follow him. And so we're going to continue with that today. And so we're going to be uh, talking about today, uh, as we talked about last week, Jesus empowers us to join in his mission. He calls us to be his disciple. That means his student, his learner, his apprentice. And then he empowers us to be in his mission. But today we're going to be talking about empowered to change. Empowered to change. And so let's go ahead and let's pray right now. Father, we thank you so much. I thank you for providing my glasses. God, you know how encouraged I am about that. But God, I pray right now that your word may be communicated. Your message may be delivered and heard. 
God, I pray that people feel what I feel right now, what I have been encouraged with this week, the empowerment that you give us to change, to become more than who we are and more than, we, than what we believe we could actually become. And God, I pray that you move me to the side and Lord, that your spirit speaks this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, turn with me over to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We're going to be looking here in verses 13 through 17 about Jesus empowering. And so let's go ahead and let's read Mark chapter 2 and verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and, came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus. Now, Levi is also, as we know from the other Gospels, his other name is Matthew. And so I might say Levi or Matthew interchangeably, so that's the reason why. Sitting at the tax collector's booth, follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, uh, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's stop right there. Jesus empowers, as we're going to see and study here, but Jesus empowers to change and be more. Jesus empowers those who choose to answer the call to follow him. He empowers them to change and to become more. We're going to see this in the story of Levi. And so in order for us to have a greater appreciation, we have to have a better understanding of the historical context of what we are studying here today. And so I know many of us know this, but some of us don't. But Levi, again, also named Matthew, it says that he was what? A tax collector. Now, you already know there's a problem right there. Because those of us who pay taxes, we're not usually big fans of the IRS. And if you meet somebody who works for the IRS, in your heart, you already have some form of a judgment. Like you taking my money. And so we can see here, Matthew was a tax collector, and for a number of reasons, in the first century, Jewish people hated tax collectors. They were those who would uh, uh, be guilty of extortion, guilty of cheating, and were traitors. They were notorious for being dishonest and crooked, charging people whatever they want. So here you go, you're supposed to pay this, however they would add on some more to that and said therefore you were paying more than you were actually supposed to pay. And then they were considered uh, uh, ceremonially, uh, uh, ritually unclean. Because see the Jews, anybody who wasn't Jewish was a Gentile and so if you had contact with Gentiles that would make you ritually unclean. And so these tax collectors, they would constantly be in, in, in interactions with Gentiles, non-Jewish people, so they were always unclean and then many of them had immoral lifestyles. And so now we, we hate them because, man, they, they overcharge us, they're getting over on us, they're taking our money. Then, religiously, they, they, they're, 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 they're uh, uh, immoral, they're unclean. But then also, they were considered traitors because many of them either worked for the Roman authorities 
Or in this case with Levi, he actually worked for Herod. So he kind of indirectly worked for the Romans. And so they were considered traitors because, again, the Jews were under Roman control. And so it was so bad for them, for, Jew, uh, 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 for tax collectors, that in this collection of rules and commentaries about the Old Testament law there, it's called the Talmud, it says this in regards to the tax collectors. It lists tax collectors with murderers and robbers. Think about that for a second. Hey, there's these guys who murder, rob, and then there's tax collectors. And so you can already see the mindset that people had toward tax collectors. And in fact, they were disqualified as witnesses in court because they were untrustworthy. We can't have a tax collector come and testify because we know they are dishonest. And not only that, but they were excommunicated from the synagogue. And so here you go. So you can't even be around your community in a religious setting. And here Jesus invites him to be a disciple? Imagine if you were witnessing this. Imagine if you were in Jesus' circle at this time and you're following him and he goes and says, tax collector, come follow me. What would you be thinking? Uh, there's a problem here, Jesus. And especially if you're some of these fishermen because they actually probably had been overtaxed by Levi. So wait a second, you're going to buy that guy? I know that guy. You know, two months ago, he was the one that was overcharging me. And so you can imagine the trouble that was going to be created in Jesus' inner circle, couldn't you? Now imagine, though, put yourself in Levi's shoes. How would you feel that Jesus, this rabbi who's causing the stir, who's creating this buzz around him, who's doing some remarkable things, miracles, he's preaching, people are gaining inspiration, and he looks to you and says, follow me. And now, here's the thing we have to understand. Levi knew just as much as everybody else how much he was hated. He wasn't deceived. Wait, they don't like me? No, he clearly understood. He had, I, I, I think it's really safe to say, he had no vision of being able to truly get back into the community and have relationships the way everybody else had because of his standing and because of his past as a tax collector. Let alone would he have any vision of thinking, you know what, I can be used in some way to have a positive influence on my culture and society. There's no opportunity for him to have that. And so again, imagine if you are Levi. And again, as we were reminded, a rabbi would only select and call those to follow him, those who were really the young religious elites. And Levi checks none of these boxes. But yet Jesus calls him to be his follower. That's incredible, isn't it? And if again, if you're Levi, you're like, whoa, whoa, are you sure? You're probably speaking another language. Okay? Repita? Those who don't know Spanish, that's what and repeat, okay? Are you sure you want me? And we have to ask ourselves, why would Jesus want a tax collector, one who was hated? Why would he want him to be in his circle? 
What we see clearly, what does it say? He says, he calls the sinners. Did you catch that? He says, he's not looking for those who are righteous already. I'm calling the sinners. I'm calling those who are sick. Now, he's obviously not talking about that literally who are sick, but those who see their spiritual need for a spiritual doctor to heal them. Let me ask you, where are you at today? Are you the sick or are you the healthy? Now, we're not talking physically because if you're physically sick, you shouldn't have came here today. Amen. Too much drama with that. Okay, we're not going to have that drama here today. All right. But you understand that we have to see ourselves, and this is a good way to see ourselves, as those who need Jesus. And you can see the heart of God, even as we refer back to what Eric was sharing earlier during the communion. You're seeing the heart of God that he wants to bring back those who are separate from him. That should be encouraging for every single one of us. And we see this desire of Jesus to again extend and fully lavish upon someone the grace of God. And so we're seeing the heart, we're seeing the character of God and of Christ, his son. And you see here, again, we're seeing, all right, he wants to call sinners the grace, but I also believe a part of why he called Levi is because he believed that he could change and become more. I know that's who you are right now, Levi, but I believe that you can and will become more if you follow me. And you know, this is really cool. I want to take a quick second here because you, you, you see a difference, and, and I don't know why, but I think it's maybe the wisdom and the patience of Jesus here, but you see a difference in the calling uh, of those who would become his first disciples, and you see with Matthew or Levi. And so this is what we saw last time. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. But then when he calls Levi, he says, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. I'm sure there was more to the discussion, but we just get the Reader's Digest version of what happened. But do you notice the difference right here? He just simply says, hey, come follow me to Levi. But, but to the fishermen, he says, hey, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. Now, maybe there was a clearly a practical reason why he just left it at follow me for Levi. Maybe he's like, you know, hey, it made sense to play off the whole fishing thing with the fishermen, but uh, Levi, come follow me and I'll have you collect taxes for God. I don't think that one would have really hit. You know what I mean? That, one would, that, that would, wouldn't have made a lot of sense right there. But I believe that there's possibly, you know, this is all clear speculation here on my part here. But I believe here that Jesus goes ahead and, 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 and just calls him to follow him because maybe he's thinking, you know what? I believe that you can change, Levi. But there's going to be a point in which you're going to have to make a decision to continue to follow me. And maybe, maybe you will choose not to do that. Or maybe he's thinking, you know what? I got to be patient with Levi. He doesn't understand how, what kind of vision I have for him. And so I'm just going to ease him into this. I'm just going to call you to follow me. But as you come with me, you are going to become more than you could even imagine. And so if I tell you all that I have for you, you might be scared and you might not follow me at this moment. Again, this is speculation. But I think it's interesting that Jesus will approach us in different ways. 
Not one size, one, one shoe size fits all, right? And so he might call us to follow him, but then as we follow him, he's going to call us to become more and more than we ever could imagine. And so, not only does he call him to follow, but then he actually becomes a leader in Jesus' ministry. You know, we see this in Mark chapter 3. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to them those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. So now, okay, all right, we got this group, but we're going to designate 12, though, who are actually going to be with me all the time. And then what? That he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. So not everybody who was following him had this, and this is this group of 12 we call the apostles. And so here we go. He, he calls them, and then he says, these are the 12 he appointed. And we jump on down, and right there in yellow, it's Matthew again, that's Levi. So now he's been called to follow, he answers the call, and now he's becoming a leader in Jesus' ministry. And he's going to be sent out to preach and have the authority to drive out demons. Where did we begin? Did anybody see this one coming? And of all the people, he's probably the least that you would figure would have the opportunity to be influential considering his tax collecting past. But yet Jesus calls him to be a leader and he joins Jesus and he goes from outcast to disciple to a leader to now a brother with those that he had probably taxed before. Think about that. Jesus' ability to get people who have odds, who have a history against each other, now are not only close, but they're brothers, and they're going doing his mission together. That's incredible. And then not only that, but then he's, he's an apostle, and so he has this position to deliver Jesus' message, and he goes out and he preaches, and, and we are blessed, and God used him to actually write out the gospel of Matthew. And so now he's a tax collector, he's a disciple, he's a leader, he's an apostle, and now he has the opportunity to be used by God to communicate God's message about Jesus to everybody afterwards. And then because of his faith, and there was a persecution for the first century, actually the first three centuries of Christianity, but Matthew actually dies because he follows Jesus. He is killed for his faith and preaching of Jesus. Think about this transformation that has taken place. He started as a tax collector, hated, outcast. Then he's called to follow. What does he do? He says yes. Then he goes and he becomes a part of the brotherhood. Then he becomes an apostle. Then he goes and writes the gospel of Matthew. Then he dies as a martyr for Christ, and you and I have been influenced by what he has done to this day 2,000 years later. That's a huge difference, isn't it? That's a huge transformation that took place. And how did it take place? Because Jesus empowered him to change and to become more. And we see, I believe, and, uh, uh, that there's two parts to this being empowered to change. Number one, Jesus obviously, we'll, we'll talk about Jesus' part, we'll talk about our part, there's two parts to us, but Jesus obviously calls us to join him. We have to answer. 
But there's two parts to being empowered to change, and I believe it's this. It's decision and time. It's a decision to answer the call and follow Jesus. But not just once. It has to keep happening. There has to continually be a decision made every morning, afternoon, and night that I will continue to follow Jesus. And as I continue to follow Jesus, guess what takes place? Transformation. And yes, there's an initial transformation. He went from, hey, I'm a tax collector to now I'm following Jesus. That's huge. But as we saw through his life, it didn't stop there. And the transformation took place over time. Again, the calling of Levi helped him to actually believe and have the hope that he could be more. But then he had to make a decision to actually do it. And then as time went by, he went from a guy who wasn't accepted, wasn't trusted, to being influential upon the entire world. So he went over time. He's following Jesus. I'll go with you. I'm, I'm following you. He's watching Jesus. Wow, this is incredible. You see what he's doing. Now he's interacting with Jesus on a personal level. I'm with you. I'm all the time. I'm asking you questions. I'm learning. And then he's trying to imitate Jesus as he's called to go out and preach. And we see this transformation, starting with the decision and then time. You know, I want to do, uh, you guys know I like demonstrations, all right? Can we, can I get a couple uh, volunteers here? Let me see. Max, my man Max, can you come on up here, Max? All right, there you go. All right, I, I need another volunteer here. All right, let's go ahead. Why don't you come on down to the front here? All right, who, who is that right there? Morrow, my main man, Morrow. Come on over, Morrow. All right, here you go. All right, and then let me get a let me get a sister here. All right, here we go. Let me get a sister here. You raising Julie's hand? That's great. All right, come on, Julie, come on up. Yeah, there we go. All right, come on up. There we go. All right, here we go. You know what? Uh, why don't you why don't you guys stand down here? Okay, all right. So here here we go. Here, all right. So, let's hope this will roll with me long enough here. Okay, all right, we'll make it work. All right, so here we go. Here's what we're going to do here, all right? All right, Marl, you're going to be right here in the middle. All right, Max, I need you right here. Julie, I need you in the front there, okay? All right, so, Julie, now let's start off with Marl. Okay, Marl, he just became a disciple of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm not saying that's what just happened. I'm saying this is what we're talking about for our demonstration here. Okay, all right. So here we go. So we have Morrow here, right? He makes a decision to follow Jesus and represent Jesus, the lovely Julie Barber. Okay, amen. All right. And all the women said, hey. All right, there you go. All right. So here's what's happening here. Now, now Max here is representing Morrow when he first became a Christian or yet even before he became a Christian. You guys get what I'm saying here, right? Okay, so here's what's going to happen here. Okay. Okay, Julie, when I say take a step, you're going to take a step. Morrow, you're going to take a step at the same time with her. Okay, you guys get what I'm saying here? Okay, take a step. There you go. Week one. Take a step. There you go. It's just one step. All right. Month three. Take a step. Year one. Take another step. Year six. Take another step. Year eight. Take another step. Year 12. Take another step. Year 18, take another step. Year 20, take another step. T 
Take another step. There you go. <laughs> Jesus ain't pausing. Take another step. Year 25. Take another step. Year 30. Take another step. Year 35. Let's just go one more. Take another step. Year 40. Now stop right there. Now here's what's incredible of what just took place. You see, as he followed Jesus, he began to what? To grow and to change. Because this is where he started off. Now you look at him, did he ever catch up to Jesus? He never did, did he? But he kept following Jesus. And you know, some of us, we can get so discouraged. I'm following Jesus, but all I see is how I'm not like Jesus. And we get discouraged. Man, I'm 20 years in the faith. I'm 20 months in the faith. And I'm not where I need to be. And we get discouraged. And we start to think, does this really work? What's wrong with me? But the problem is, we don't see how far we've come. Look at where he is right now. No, he is not fully arrived, but he sure isn't what he used to be. You see, but what would have happened if he would have stopped? Morrow, come back 12 steps, please. Stop right there. He should be discouraged in some sense because he stopped following Jesus and Jesus kept going, come on, come on. And he said, I'm going to take a break. I'm discouraged. Oh, you didn't give me what I wanted. Oh, this didn't happen to my, and all these things are real. But when we stop following Jesus, guess what happens? The change doesn't take place the way it could. But when we continue, go back on up, brother, and be a step away from her. He's a lot more like Jesus, but guess what? He's a lot less like he was from the beginning. And is he perfect? By no stretch of the imagination. And I know, Marl, he's not perfect. But one thing he is, he's empowered to change. You see, it took a decision. I got to keep in step with the Lord. I got to keep in step with the Lord. And if I do, that will create change over what? Time. So this is why we have to continue to follow Jesus. It's not a one-time decision. If he would have just had a one-time decision, Jesus kept going, wow, that's not great at all. But all he has to do is just keep going. You know what? I'm still not there, but I'm going to keep going. I'm still not there, but I'm going to keep going. I'm still not there, but I'm going to keep going. Because why? Because God is transforming me to change and become more than I ever thought or imagined. Amen? Amen. You guys can go ahead and sit down. Give them a hand. You see, this should be encouraging for every one of us. This should be encouraging for every one of us. That yes, we might not ever arrive at the point at which we are completely Christ-like. That won't happen. But you can be transformed if you follow Jesus over time. And so this is key for you and me. That we understand the empowering, the, the authority, the ability takes place when we make that decision to follow him, stay following him, and don't quit. You know, I want to bring up Koki Nguyen right now. Koki's going to come and share uh, and be a modern example or, or a testament of how God can transform and change you to become more in your life. Thank you. Good morning, church. I have to put my glasses on because I cannot see everyone. Um, my name is Koki Nguyen, and uh, I'm a little nervous. Um, it's been a while since I've been able to kind of reflect on my life, and I really appreciate Marcel, his lesson, oh my God, I'm 
so convicted by his lesson because I look back at my life. I've been a disciple for 28 years. I've been married for 26 years. I have two beautiful adult girls who have three children. My, my oldest daughter has three children. My youngest daughter is about to have a child in November. And I just look back at my life and I go, oh my gosh, thank you, God. Thank you. You know, when Marcel talked about the steps and the decisions and the times, I think back about when I was um, just not a disciple, you know, I, a, a Christian at all. I didn't even believe really that God was there. You know, there was so much hurt and pain, and I just didn't want to accept that God existed in my life. But I think, um, you know, when I was a single mom at 23, I was very bitter and angry and resentful. And um, a friend of mine had invited me to come to church, and, uh, and I was able to really let my heart out and be able to let God in. And um, what God taught me throughout these years, I can't even explain. It, it would take so long to be up here and, and to um, share with you guys. But I will tell you, there was three decisions that I had to go through throughout my Christian life. And mind you, I've been a disciple for 28 years. When I first became a disciple, I struggled. I didn't understand God's love. You know, I didn't understand how to get it. I don't even know how to feel it. Um, but as I continued to grow and in his word and understanding his heart and applying it to my life, you know, I, it was amazing. I, um, I went from, from a, a young 23-year-old single mom who ran away from responsibilities to someone who grew up um, in the church, really learning how to grow up and take responsibility for my life. And it wasn't until then I was able to meet my husband, and we uh, have been married again for 26 years. But, you know, during those times as a Christian, I still had a lot of things in my heart that I had to grow in. I still had the bitterness. I still had the resentment. I still had the anger, you know, and it was during those times that I thank God for the kingdom, for the brothers and sisters who got in my life, who discipled our marriage, who corrected and counseled and was there from beginning to now. You know, we still have people in our lives to help us in our marriage. And if it wasn't for that, you know, we would not be here today. We wouldn't have the life that we have. I mean, I look at my children, I look at my family, and I look at it even my heart like, it is different. You know, I no longer carry the bitterness or the resentment. I'm filled with love. I'm patient. I'm a lot more understanding of God's grace. And because I understand God's grace, I'm able to give that as well. So thank you so much for Marcel for your lesson today, because it is a decision, and it does take time to change. So anyways, thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
You know, if you talk to Koki, you can hear some more details of the transformation that has taken place. And even uh, last Thursday, we, we were able to hear even more about the transformation that has taken place in their marriage and where it started off to where it is now. You'd be like, nah, I don't believe that you're honest right now about the history. But it was years of continuing to make a decision to follow Jesus. And as time went by, the marriage, I believe, is one that is worthy of imitation. And to God be the glory for that. And so what should we do with this? Now that we know this, how should we respond? I believe we should answer, persevere, and appreciate. You know, Jesus is calling all of us to be his disciples, all of us to join in his mission and to become changed and more. So we have to answer the call, whether it be for the first time or we need to call, answer the call again. And we need to make sure we answer the call by saying, yes, I will follow. But what does that mean? After we say yes, it means we must what? Persevere. Because again, the change and the transformation won't take place if we just say yes and then quit. But we have to continue to persevere. And then also, we need to appreciate. Appreciate what God has done in our lives. Too many times we see all that we are short of, all that we lack, and we lose sight of all that we have become in Christ over the years. And so it's important that we answer, that we persevere, and that we appreciate what God has done in our lives. Can we get real practical for a second here? I want to give some action steps here. I want to call all of us here, those especially who are not members of the church here, to listen to God's call by studying out God's word. To set up a Bible study and understand, okay, let me, I want to know more of this calling of Jesus. I want to know more of who he is and what could happen in my life and how he can use me in his mission and to become more. And then for the rest of us here, reflect and share. Reflect this week. Just take a day. Just take a day. It has to be a whole day, but spend some time where you reflect on who you once were and who you are now. And as you have that time to reflect, share that with someone. Maybe that's someone in your household. Maybe that's someone that you work with, someone you go, to you go to school with in class, someone you're sharing the gospel with. But reflect about who you once were and where you are now, and then share that with someone. Let God receive the glory of what he is doing in your life. And if some of you are feeling, man, I, you know what, maybe I have stopped. Again, what do we need to do? Answer the call again. And be able to reflect and share God's glory. As we come to a close, Jesus empowers us to empowers his followers to change and to become more than we could ever imagine. Our responsibility is to take a decision and to continue that decision and to appreciate what God does over time. So let's answer his call. Let's persevere and let's appreciate. Let's close out in Mark chapter 2. Church, are you still with me? Mark chapter 2, verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I pray that every one of us, we will be empowered to change today. Amen.